0: Okay, hi everybody, and welcome to On Purpose um, from a safe distance. I am Dr. John Duffy, and from a further distance, uh, we have <laughs> <laughs> Heidi Stevens from the Chicago Tribune. Heidi, it's been Hello. so long. How are you?
1: I'm good. I'm good. Healthy and safe, which is a um, privilege right now.
0: It's kind of the start of every conversation. I feel like I'm having is like, yeah. you know, are you healthy? Are you safe? Are you okay?" Um, yeah, we're in we're in these uh, in the midst of these funky quarantine times. And, um, yeah, I, I think no, nobody's really sure how they're supposed to feel. Um, and you and I were talking a minute ago about how some people feel badly for feeling okay. Um, and, right. uh, yeah. And, and so, you know, one, uh, one thing I, I guess I want to start with is, uh, what you're feeling is probably about right. Whatever, whatever it is you're going through or you're feeling is probably perfectly normal, and um, and we can compare that to the data affiliated with absolutely nothing because we've never had this kind of thing
1: before. <laughs> right. Well, exactly. Yeah. No, I think that I think that's a huge part of the. Um, I don't, I don't know if guilt is the right word, but the uncertainty that we're all feeling about our own feelings is like, is this okay to feel like, you know, relieved that I feel okay while others aren't or, you know, am I doing enough to help? Am I doing too much? Am I feeling the right amount of grief? Am I like, if I'm paralyzed and can't find the capacity or the will to help others, because this is all so scary and sad, is that okay? You know, it's just like, what in the world do you compare it to in the past. Um, Absolutely nothing. You know, I mean, been, really,
0: you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean. Good.
1: <laughs> Sorry.
0: This, 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 is this is weird when peril, I. We're this not, this not looking This doing this without a visual. <laughs> right.
1: Okay, <laughs> you're done. This is going to happen 30 uh, times If
0: everyone's <laughs> listening. Go ahead, <laughs> Heidi, please.
1: Um, well, you know, just that we've been through we've been through crises before, certainly as a nation um but this one is just different in so many ways and it's and the duration of it is unknown and um and larger right i mean it's happening all over the world not just in one particular city or state it's it's just crazy
0: and Um, i think a lot of us are haunted by um a lot of my clients anyway are are talking about the curves and um mm -hmm. and the and it's so interesting because you know, when I watch like data from the CDC or WHO or Dr. Fauci talking, I see different curves, you know, um, they'll they have, you know, a trajectory to them, but um, people are kind of like attending to these, like, you know, are, we're still on the front end. This isn't, we're not, we're not at the bad part yet, you know? So they, th- people are kind of trying to titrate their panic, their anxiety, like almost saving up. Like, you know, I know I have to brace for something really bad here. And, um, and when mm. we're still not there, even though I'm hearing bits, I either know somebody who's sick and you and I both do, we've know we, we know people who, who are carrying this thing. And, um, or, you know, we've all heard about, you know, um, John Prine or the guy from fountains of Wayne or Harvey Weinstein yeah. <laughs> uh, oddly, didn't, didn't um, shut a lot of tears right. on that one, but yeah, <laughs> no, I don't think we're there yet. <laughs> That probably not going to happen. Um, but yeah, but, it's
1: no, no one is feeling buffered from the effects of this, you know at all. I no, mean, no. people are feeling buffered in the sense that it hasn't infected their home necessarily or a family member, but but we all know someone or or know of someone, you know.
0: Yes. And if I can just throw a, a note in here just so I don't have to say this in in sessions or anything in the next few weeks, <laughs> just please listen to this and then we'll we, we'll skip this part. Um, I'm working with some parents who are kind of questioning the moral um, strength of their children because their kids uh, seem unaffected or they want to be with their friends or they want to go out. And all of that is really, really normal. And when you talk to a kid who seems unaffected, if you spend a little time talking about what they know, talking about how they feel about it, you find out very quickly like, mm, no, they're just pretty well defended and they, mm-hmm. they know what's going on and they're just trying to ease their way into this too. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. everybody's affected. They're anxious. They're worried. Um, they don't want anybody they know and anybody they love to get it. Uh, I can't tell you how many kids I've talked to who have said, um, I'm not worried about getting it because the statistics say very clearly, if I get it, i 'll be fine. I might feel really sick for a while, but I'll be fine, but I'm worried about my parents, my grandparents, you know the people around me I, he, A lot of kids are saying the scariest thing for me would be to give it to somebody, to carry it, and give it to somebody i'm afraid of hearing from my parents that they're sick because I would, I would then start going through the tape in my head of like, oh my God, who have I been with? Did I screw up? Did I, did -hmm. I touch something at the store I shouldn't have? Should I not have hung out with my friends, you know, a month ago? Um, Yeah. So, so your kids aren't sociopaths. That's my point.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They they may seem
0: unaffected, but they're not sociopathic.
1: Right. They understand the concept of possibly being, you know, radioactive basically.
0: Yeah. And imagine what a what a bizarre concept, right? I mean yeah. to think like I gotta stay away from the people I love because I don't want to hurt them. And so part of the way you put that in the back of your mind is you are on FaceTime with your friends or you're playing Fortnite for six hours in a row. And um and I remember a column you wrote, it goes uh, it goes back a few columns, but it was kind of giving us all permission. Uh, it, it, I learned some a lot from this one column, Heidi. I, I've actually read it a few times. You gave us all permission not to do this right. You know, not you're not going to be homeschooling like a pro. You're mm-hmm. not gonna be, you're, you know, your house isn't going to be spotless. You're not going to write, you know, a Shakespearean play. <laughs> this isn't going to yeah. happen, and that's okay. And I love that. I, I have changed the way... I work in light of that, because I had this thing about like, let's, let's hyperstructure the day. So things feel relatively normal for everybody. And I can't tell you, like, I read that three or four times and I was like, okay, that's about your thoughts better than mine. I'm scrapping mine. Yours (laughs) yours works.
1: (laughs) Well, I do. I think the concept of normal is so weird for us to even be reaching for. And I hear, I have heard so many people saying that we should Strive for that or, or or at least try to create that for our kids to try to make, you know, to try to find some normalcy and try to introduce routine and structure and, you know, make sure that this time is as normal as possible. And I just am not sure about, A, the wisdom of that and B, the actual possibility of that. I mean, I, I just think it's asking a lot of parents to make a global pandemic normal um, for their kids. And I do think our kids are going to remember living through this, um, you know, unless they're like infants or toddlers, um, you know, they're going to remember living through this. And, and I do think that, you know, we should be mindful of what we want them to remember and how we want them to remember it. And hopefully they're not traumatized, um, by it unless of course they're losing someone they love to it. Um, but just, you know, if a kid is like, you know, home from school and, and maybe prom got canceled or, or something really, you know, a fun trip to DC or a competition or, you know, that kind of stuff got canceled. Um, I think we want to be mindful of how we're helping them process that because that's all going to go into the memories of it. But, um, you know, one of the things that, that I heard a lot of people respond to, um, in that column was where I said, you know, if, if the kind of emotional and physical toll of all this makes you feel like weeping, Just go ahead and weep, even if your kids see you. And and a lot of people took issue with that. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. You know, a lot of people and and one woman wrote a really long, very thoughtful email about growing up um, with immigrant parents who had lived through a war and um, how they were very stoic and Mm -hmm. really helped her and her siblings, you know, believe everything would be fine because they never broke down in front of them and how upsetting that would have been for her if they had broken down in front, you know, if she had seen her parents break down, how upsetting that would be. And, you know, she kind of, um, School to me. I, I mean, I, I'm not saying any of this negatively. It was very, you know, she brought up lovely points, important points. Um, but she was like, you know, you can't break down in front of your kids. They need you to be strong and hold it together and help them realize that, um, this will all be fine. And mm-hmm. I get that. Uh, um, yeah, I do. I, I also think that like, maybe there's another way to to describe it other than breaking down, I, right. I I wonder if crying in front of your kids or or showing pain and and even a little bit of fear or at least you know uncertainty, admitting that you really don't know h- how much longer they're going to be out of school um, and that you actually don't know if camp will happen this summer and you know all of that stuff and you're and you're not sure that no one they know will get sick. Like I I don't know I I I guess I just think that parents should get to be human and, and be able to, you know, cry when they're sad and feel scared during scary stuff. And, and also say like, you know, we're going to get through this together and, and I'm going to take care of you and, and make sure you're offering reassurances. But, um, but I guess I don't want to think of it as breaking down.
0: Yeah. Does that make sense?
1: Am I just like splitting hairs?
0: No, I don't think you're splitting hairs at all, actually. And I, I, this is, this is an interesting brain teaser, I think, for people, because I totally get what your, um, your reader was suggesting, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, mom and dad were stoic and we could lean on what that strength and that, you know, assuredness. And I can picture that, right? I mean, I can envision that that child was able to depend on her parents to make it through a really, really difficult time. So I get that completely. Um, what, what I do wonder sincerely is, if she had an iPhone, <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. facetious. if she had an iPhone and could see what was going on, you know what I mean? If she had yeah. Twitter or she, right. had, she could be in touch with friends who were telling her, you know, oh, this is really bad. And she knew, she had access and knew I wonder how different that would have felt to her, you know, because kids now are telling me like, boy, if my parents aren't real with me, straight with me and up front with me about the curve, about how bad this is going to get that I'm getting more upset. I get more anxious and worried because I'm thinking like, wow, if they're shading the truth, how bad is it? You know, right. um, so or why I think, are they I think talking may- to
1: me about this? terrible thing we're all going through yes. I mean, that I, I have that like that that is some of my own baggage that I bring to uh, everywhere I go <laughs> I bring my baggage everywhere um, <laughs> but, but I have always I have always it, it has bugged me forever how my parents didn't talk to me about some hard stuff and 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 to a degree still don't or at least not until I bring it up um and I have sort of you know, um, not sort of, I have very overtly made a point to not parent in that way. And, and I, I do think there's something a little unsettling about not being talked to about the big stuff that you all know is happening.
0: Definitely. And I think that, um, sharing your emotional reality with your kids, um, I, I, I guess I'm reacting really strongly to the phrase breaking down. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I didn't, I haven't really thought about that phrase in the past, but, um, it suggests a weakness, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, like don't, don't, don't show work your anymore, kids. Right. 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 Like yeah, right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right. No we longer can't serve make it,
0: purpose. right. We're not going to get where we need to go. Right. Um, and you know, when I think about like, you know i'm thinking about interactions that i see between parents and kids and um the the course of therapy with families often looks like you know there's a lot of like positioning and for a while as therapist you're kind of playing a judge and people are pitching to you like that i'm right and they shouldn't be playing the video games because no they're wrong and i should because and um and then over time, if somebody breaks down, if somebody if somebody is vulnerable and shows emotion, that's that's the ambulance chasing moment for me. Like that's what I want. That's the, then mm-hmm. I know. Okay, everybody now is in the space. A, 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 the whole tenor has changed. Now we're open, honest, vulnerable, and that 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 whole piece, that whole area of communication is open now I know we can get somewhere, you know what yeah. I mean? Like now, now is starting away. Yeah. Right. This is totally. what we've been waiting for, you know? So I, I think to, to cry in front of your kids is completely reasonable. If you're feeling that, um, around this time and, um, and it gives your kids permission to feel what they feel. Like we forget, like I, as parents, I think we forget all the time that, the strongest thing our kids are really following from us more than the things we 're telling them more than any lecture um, more than any pillar of character we 're trying to you know mm-hmm. install is is they're they're looking at us they're and they're learning how to be in the world by watching us and so if we 're willing to be vulnerable and cry or emote in some way mm-hmm. you know and show that upset that that I think gives kids permission and license, and and there's a certain like undeniable truth to that. And um, I don't think that's scary. I think that's actually oddly comforting. Um, and I, I, I'm thinking of um, a family in particular I worked with a while ago, um, but during at the onset of this whole thing, and they all cried in the session. Hmm. And it was, uh, and I did, Heidi, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if I'm being honest, um, and it was lovely, it was like, um, it it's something I think we will all remember. Like when Mm -hmm. I've now I've been talking to them on the phone and when we've reflected back on that and everybody gets a little choked up thinking about how, and, and kind of laughing at ourselves a little bit, like, you know, boy, we really did fall apart a little bit, but, (laughs) but it was like this really healthy thing that got them connected. So I think this is actually a really healthy thing. And, um, it's an uh, if you'll indulge me for a second this is this is a weird day for me because it had my father been alive this would be his 90th birthday oh my gosh and yeah yeah and he died at 68 but i it's weird wow. because like you know i so my my father's passed away 22 years ago mm. and i still if somebody laughs like him when i'm walking down the street i turn my head like it's his voice is so crystal clear in my head And, um, and in the, so he and I had like fun irreverent times, um, and, uh, and I enjoyed him more than almost anybody on the planet, except my wife and my son ever, you Mm -hmm. know? And, um, and, and he was, he was a weird man for his time. He was, he was an alcoholic. So he'd been sober for 37 years the day he died. And, um, and there was something I always loved about his AA friends because they were open, vulnerable men. And mm-hmm. they would come to our house and they'd come upstairs, you know, from smoking, like the whole house was filled with smoke and you know, uh-huh. coffee, you know, every, every vice <laughs> but alcohol was everywhere. Right, <laughs> all the replacement vices. <laughs> <biases>. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and so, and, and, and you could see that they'd been crying. And my brother, Tom mm-hmm. and I used to sit at the top of the stairs and listen, and be like, oh my God, Mr. Murphy's crying. (laughs) So that's how confidential my dad's A A meetings were. But (laughs) but that was always really like comforting for us. We kind of loved that. And my dad was pretty openly emotional. And so I kind of learned that from him. And I think that's a really, um, maybe in particular for men, but I think for men and women, something to take away is like, it's okay. It's okay to show your kids that you're upset. Uh, even now, I think it's okay to show your kids you're scared and you don't know how this is going to go. Um, because then, then they can talk about that. It opens the door.
1: Well, I'm so relieved to hear you say all that. And I also, um, I want to share something. I think this is okay. She put it on Facebook. My friend Lisa put, um, a post the other day about, her memories of living through Hurricane Andrew as a kid. She grew up in Florida Mm -hmm. and how that was the first time um, and certainly probably the most powerful time she can remember watching her mom grieve. So her grandmother died and mm-hmm. she and her family moved into her grandmother's house because their house was ruined by the hurricane. Mm-hmm. And she writes about watching her mom, um, you know, grieve and, and and cry through the loss of her own mother and her house and trying to keep it all together. And And the thing that really struck me about her post was she said that's the first time she realized how strong her mother was. Wow! That she could go through all of this at the same time and still, you know, get out of bed in the morning and take care of them. And um, I think there's such a good lesson in that for all of us, because, you know, it doesn't strong doesn't have to mean hold everything in right. Or not feel the weight of anything happening around you. Um, and, and that her, and, and she was a child when that happened. She didn't, you know, this wasn't, she wasn't in her twenties watching her mom go through this. She was a kid. Um, so I, I, Think there's a lot there, and that's I not to too. dismiss, you know, the people who wrote and said, "No, you gotta, you can't cry in front of your kids," and here's why. I, I get that. Um yep. I guess I'm fascinated also by all the different ways people react to a crisis and experience a crisis, and I'm sure you're seeing a ton of this in your office. Like some people, even the idea that some people panic by, and others don't, and some people worry, there's never going to be toilet paper ever again. And the other people are like, there's going to be toilet paper. Just calm down. I mean, like what right. I just find it, I just find it from a like anthropological standpoint, just fascinating how people, um, the experiences they've had up to this point, you know, come with them to target and come with them to the workplace <laughs> and, you know, and, and <clears throat> I get it. I, I think, I mean, I, I, I don't get it from a, clinical standpoint, but I, I empathize with it. I guess is what I'm saying. Some people don't know if this is their last paycheck. Some people know for sure this in fact is their last paycheck. Some people, you know, some people don't think that way. They, I was talking to a friend on the phone the other day and she said, it brings my husband great comfort to run through worst case scenarios and plan for them. And it makes me nuts. I don't want to hear worst case scenarios and I certainly don't want to plan for them. And so like, I you know neither of them is wrong like that is anxiety inducing for her which I get and <clears throat> to not do it would be anxiety inducing for him right which I also get so totally makes so sense interesting. right cuz all of this no, and, stuff I imagine is like partly what your childhood was like and partly what you've read and partly what you haven't read and partly you know partly what your grandparents went through that you, it just is interesting
0: no and I and you're you're absolutely right and I do think this is so individualistic. There are no rules. And this is, this is a weird thing for like a therapist to admit, but you know, like usually there's some clarity about like, this is, here are some coping strategies you can use. You and I were joking. I think last time we spoke that we've gotten media inquiries to talk about like, how to manage anxiety during a crisis. and, right. uh, and, and <laughs> How to keep life normal
1: for your kids during a
0: pandemic. Right. I, Hi, can I, I talk about so...
1: how I hate the word normal? And so, right. <laughs> uh, we'll be finding another guest. Thank you very much.
0: Yeah, right, right, right. That's, I, I'm, I'm getting close to being a, an yeah. undesirable guest. <laughs> right. <laughs> I have a lot of programming, I think, as of this moment. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, the truth is, You are so right. What's fascinating is what people are kind of just naturally drawn to in the wake of an ongoing crisis for comfort, right? So some people, um, and I'm thinking of kids and adults that I work with, some people kind of want to maintain absolutely the same routine. Like I'm working with uh, a couple of people, adults, who get up at the same time they normally would, dress, dress for work as if they're going to work. Sit down, do the work uh-huh. at, at home, <laughs> go on the run, make the meal. You know, like the day doesn't look any different other than, you know, the damn office is closed. You know, they're cleaning windows. They're, they're doing deep cleaning at work. <laughs> but yeah. Everything else is like completely normal. Um, and yet on the opposite side, um, I can think of a couple of, what one in particular. I, I don't think anybody will mind my saying this. Um, the kids decided that they were going to camp downstairs. And that was the, for the duration. Oh, <laughs> so they're, like a they're, tent? The, the, yeah, um, uh-huh. a, a tent, well, it's a tent and a whole setup. And there's, there's um, TVs ready to go if they need them. But they're also hanging out and mom and dad can hear like some singing going on some punching going on Uh and they're kind of like well (laughs) nobody's come up bleeding or anything so we think we're good and they're just letting it happen and so these four kids are kind of yeah they're kind of entertaining themselves most of the time um yeah yeah, so so some people are like kind of making um an event of this like you know wow this is we're gonna enjoy this time you know yeah Um, I I am um, terrible about I'm a bad sport, <laughs> so I'm not good at I'm not good at games and I learned I'm not particularly sporting about puzzles even um, so a lot of people are doing stuff like that stuff they would do like if they were on vacation and I realized as Julie George and Lauren and I sat down to do a puzzle I found myself trying or like I could barely catch my breath because I thought. I'm not going to win the puzzle. <laughs> Lauren, Lauren's so good at puzzles, I'm going to come in second in the puzzle.
1: Oh my God, that's hilarious. Well, it also strikes me as just way too much sitting still for you. I don't imagine oh my you
0: God. sitting still for a puzzle. No, it's just, it, there are a thousand pieces of some of these, Heidi. Yeah, thousand. And it's <laughs> and some of them, like there's a whole bunch of green ones. And then a whole bunch of red ones. (laughs) What is the point? (laughs) Who is being helped? the pictures on the box. It's right there. You know what it's going (laughs) to (laughs) be. Let me tell you. you It's the picture on the (laughs) box. Let me tell you how this ends. Less one little piece, probably. Um, (laughs) No, but that's another thing we're doing to cope and pass time, right? Because a lot of it has to do with the combination of anxiety crisis fear, boredom. There's a, there's all these elements that are sitting in our brains per, for this very extended period of time. So like it's, it is fascinating to see how people are making do and whether people are making do go ahead. And I
1: think the messaging too, that we've picked up over the years from, I'm going to go with, across a super crazy spectrum right here, but, um, Everything from like HGTV, so like you somehow feel like you're at home with time on your hands, so you should probably remodel your basement, um, or at the very least organize, you know, that one closet that's unmanageable. Like it, it does feel like if you're not using this time in some productive way, you're failing at the American dream, right? I mean, it does. Yep. It feels yep, like why sure. have you painted? anything or organized anything or like it feels like this is found time and certainly you should be doing a house project with it and i do think that's a little bit of like the hgtv and home depot culture that we live in um all the way to like um and i this is not an original thought i've seen people talking about this on twitter but like the the comforting i guess that George Bush tried to do after 9-11 which was like we can't let the terrorists win Mm -hmm. and not going out and shopping right now would be letting them win right or not flying to your destination you had planned to fly to last week would be letting that like everything was letting the terrorists win if you altered your life in any way and so I think we have that messaging in our heads too like I can't this virus can't win I can't let it you know um, change my entire life or, or stop me even from getting up and making my bed and getting dressed. And like, that would be letting the virus win. Like, I do think there's a little (laughs) bit of that floating around in the air too, right?
0: For sure. Yeah. I mean, there's that screw you coronavirus. We're going to, we're going to beat this thing. And then that probably means I'm going to have a seat now, you know, (laughs) yeah. I'm going to sit down and, you know, have lunch and not that attends to it and just, you know, as opposed to doing something, you know, after 9-11, I think we were all like, you know, so filled with this anxious adrenaline. We were like looking to do something. And the idea of like, okay, in this crisis, do nothing, sit tight. Um, this is, this is the mandate. I I think that's, it's just a weird thing to, to kind of take in and really live for an extended period of time. I think it gets like hard, but one of your points, if you if you were doing something for somebody else, um, you know that that would make a difference. And um, I might be turning the page a little bit here, but it also gets out of your head. This page to be turned. <laughs> Go ahead, turn. <Jordan. laughs> All right, this, yeah, this page has been dog-eared. Um, yeah, uh, I, I think you know if, and and that's to sound overly corny, but this is, I don't know if it's ever been more important to think about what, what you can do to lift people's spirits. You, you, Heidi, uh, I'm going to say you lift people's spirits with, with your column every day. Like, you know, so you mm-hmm. do, you do this yeah. thing where people read for, you know, six or seven minutes and maybe read it again. And there's this kind of like, Ooh, yeah, I think that, that, that there's this feel good somewhere underneath all this. That's going to carry me through. Like I think that carries people through their days a lot of the time oh, um yeah seriously um but I think and I would imagine oh I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you we're gonna do therapy uh, <laughs> does does it feel good um Heidi when uh <laughs> when when you when you did you, you just have column, to check your notes I did I'm just reading I'm reading out What's of a book I had to get your file out. (laughs) I'm used to this. Does it feel good when when you submit a column and you think like, yeah, I think this is gonna, I think this is gonna lift some spirits here, or I think I'm I'm shining a light here on something that people might not know about that's going on here in Chicago that might make people feel good.
1: Uh, Okay, I'm going to answer that very honestly. Uh, It feels, I feel conflicted always because on the one hand, I think, okay, this has the potential to, um, lift spirits or, you know, remind us of our common humanity or, or, or sometimes, um, point people in the direction to help, you know, if it's a column about like Ronald McDonald house needing donations and here's why and here's how, um, yeah. and and the other half of me worries that I'm coming across as tone deaf or wearing rose-colored glasses or offering a distraction from the real terrible um, crisis, global health crisis, that we are experiencing. And why would you waste people's time with this story about a sing-along in maybe the worst time in this country's history and 10 million people are jobless. And and so I, I, I always, always, always feel that push pull and I don't give in to the second half of it. A because it's like kind of my job not to, um, right. but, but B because I also, I just think of, I put myself in the position of like sitting down at my laptop or pulling out my phone or opening up my newspaper and thinking like, well, what would, what would I connect with? And it would be the terrible news and the, you know, um, very nuts and bolts health information that you need to know right now, but it would also be the other stuff. Right. So I think Mm -hmm. if, if I was writing stuff and that meant the other stuff didn't get reported, that would be bad, but I'm not writing instead of those other writers you know what i'm saying yeah like that totally. we still the tribune still covers pritzker's daily press briefings we yeah. still are writing obituaries for people who passed away we still are telling you whether the cdc is saying to wear masks right now or not and then also these human stories are out there and here's one um but I don't, I, yeah, I don't a hundred percent sit down and go like, okay, and here's something to lift your spirits. I've like a little part of me feels like that. And another little part of me feels like, I hope this is okay. I hope this is useful right now.
0: I totally get it. Um, I hadn't really thought about that, but that's, that's really, really interesting to hear you say. Um, and, uh, and I, I think, you know, just for what it's worth, I think, I think you're right that it, you provide a, a really, um badly needed counterbalance to, um, the other side of the news, um, especially now, um, it's different because news is so different in the last month than it's really ever been that I can remember. And I find myself, um, in the times when I'm not, uh, in, in my office and doing this teletherapy stuff, um, I, uh, am probably, An unhealthy way, drawn to um, you know the the numbers and the curves Mm -hmm. and um, and you know um, and 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 finding out like what's going on and um, and I'm not sure why that is, but I'd always counterbalance it in my own for my own sake with reading your column and reading something else that like um, makes me that counterbalances that um, because I don't think we can just sit in those numbers i find like you know on weekends if i spend too much time looking at twitter which is you know kind of this my i've somehow curated what i thought was the best twitter feed ever and it is just awful now
1: (laughs) (laughs) it like just fear inducing or what
0: yes yeah, yeah it's just fear inducing and bad news and loathing and hatred for it, and, and super political at a time where I'm yeah. usually I can get into that, and you know, like I can be as like insidious and awful and vitriolic as the next guy. Yeah. And somehow I just feel too raw for that right now. Like you know, um, and so I can't. I'm avoiding certain press conferences. I won't be specific. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> certain same. others I don't mind watching. Yes, yeah, um, and uh, but no, I, I I get it, and um, and I guess my. In asking that question, I was just uh, I, I was just reflecting on my experience, some experience of some kids I'm working with. Um, uh, I'm working with one kid who is inspired by a, a column. I, I don't know if this was yours, but it was in the Trib about a kid who is delivering groceries to seniors. Mm-hmm. And so this kid started doing this around here, and um, and then he would just start visiting. Like um, there's a uh, <laughs> there are senior centers in the area. And so he and some other people will just go by. He he and his frat brothers go by, honk. They're all in different cars and just like throw this like quick little party thing (laughs) and then leave. Um, But, you know, it's just like they play some music and they and I I think people are trying to just uh, think of ways to like reach out. I sent you um, there's a woman I went to high school with who um, has she's a singer and um, and she's um, wonderful and and bizarre in the best way and she has she she has this kind of um very broadway voice and she these days is getting all dressed up like i mean decked out going to senior citizen centers they're saying like go to the north windows colette's going to be singing old like standards and she does like she has. <laughs> she she, so she, she literally has. She's got a boombox and she's singing to these to these people and uh, and then there's like this applause. And I love and and the Bon Jovi thing. I I think all this stuff is really cool. I think it's really neat how people are figuring out ways to come together, be supportive, connect in ways that are kind of unique and original. Um, and I that I, I it gives me hope that like yeah we're gonna make it through this and. And maybe we come out of all of this with some different ideas about how we're living.
1: You know, I think by, so, by, too.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I wonder if the pace is going to slow down a little bit mm-hmm. and if we're going to be mm-hmm. less likely to jump on the train and head downtown every day, you know, maybe yeah. or early and until late. Um, I just wonder how, how all this is going to shake out over time.
1: Yeah, I think yeah. so, too. Um, yeah. And. And I, just to wrap up the, you know, question about my columns, I think, I think also it's okay if some people hear or read about the sing-alongs, for example, um, and think like what a bunch of crap, you know, the world has bigger problems right now than, you know, um, you know the the world's problems are too big right now to be spending time on something like that and i think that goes back to what we've been talking about this whole time which is that not everyone is going to experience something like this in the same way right and Agreed. we're not all gonna you know settle on one way to be or act or feel through all of this and that's fine you know that doesn't nobody Definitely. has to be wrong nobody has to be right there's just different ways to be human and there's going to be different ways to be human during a pandemic
0: I totally agree. Yeah, and maybe maybe that's the point. <laughs> it's so funny how we kind of we think we're making a point, but I'm not sure we are. Yeah, <laughs> but, probably not. But you know, like I, I think Do you think like, we're making you know, a point. I, I don't know. I can't tell because <laughs> I feel like giving people permission to feel what they feel, which seems silly. Um, but um, I I think about. Uh, did you ever read Daring Greatly, Brené Brown's book? Uh, um no. from I don't know, maybe a decade ago. So I'm not a huge <laughs> Brene I. brand. And I so I bought <laughs> okay. this and I um I'm really not. And and um and I watched her Netflix special and Julie and I were like, oh my God, she lost me immediately. Like it was really not not a very good watch. But the one thing that kind of um she she stumbled upon one concept that she has absolutely made a Full career out of <laughs> that. As somebody in the field, I'm a little bitter about. <laughs> but, uh. <laughs> um, but it's this idea that you know, like vulnerability is strength, um, and, and I kind of hang on that. I, I like that idea because I do find that um, there there's some truth to that. But in in moments like this, I think like vulnerability. Oh, in this period of time where we're all super raw. A little bit of that might be necessary. So even if we're super stoic people, if mm-hmm. we let ourselves feel what we feel with somebody, with a spouse, mm-hmm. with somebody, with a friend, with you know, with your kids, whatever, somebody, um, I, I suspect we come out of this more emotionally healthy than if we just try to stuff it in and keep a stiff upper lip through, and you know, for months on end. I don't know how well we make it through emotionally if we just do that.
1: Yep, I agree. I agree.
0: Okay. I think good. you just made a um, point. Uh, we that is a point for sure. <laughs> yes, thank you. Our first um, point.
1: <laughs>
0: Yay! You know, here's the thing: if you make a podcast for a year and a half, eventually you're going to stumble on a <laughs> <Eventually>, point.
1: <laughs> a point will find its way to you,
0: <laughs> accidentally or otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well rest. I hope you have a good, safe week. And you too. um thanks. And and uh, I hopefully we'll talk to you next week.
1: Yeah, that sounds good. Right. Right.
0: Okay. Be safe everybody.